Nobody checking for me. Pod tap in player. This is Rachel Jarofsky. And I'm Cody Wilkins. As per always, stoked to have you all pushing back against the title of the pod and checking for us on this beautiful day. Rachel, how you feeling? Cody, you know we're not feeling well. I, I we're know. Ill. We I are know. ill right now. In the heart, in the mind, in the stomach. For a lot of reasons, actually. There's oh. pick one, reach up. And grab one. You know what I mean? It's like molecules of air. You know what I'm saying? The world is your oyster in terms of all the things that are making me sick to my stomach. In fact, the, the inner lining of my stomach is, is is sort of just chiseled and burnt to a crisp from all the coffee that I've ingested by trying to uh, will productivity out of me. We're, we've both been working on a packet, right? Oh, yeah. And ex- explain to the listeners, what is a packet? Cruel and unusual punishment, right? That's the only... Right. Uh, well, listeners... For those of you who don't know, a, a submission packet when you want to write for a, a late night television show of sorts is a lot like a remote job interview where you are not allowed to physically be in there or be seen or actually be recognized. Instead, what you have to do is sit in your room alone with your thoughts, facing down the blue light of the internet, staring into the deep dark abyss of the American gut and saying, oh, how can I make this funny? And you got to do it at the same time as everyone else on the planet with a Twitter account because we're all feasting after the same gig. And you got to do it in a small window of time and under a whole bunch of pressure and knowing that, oh, you probably won't get it, but hoping that you definitely do it. It's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep eating these Cheerios for the rest of my life? I don't know. But here we are. Here we are. I mean, there's maybe five slots. There's maybe five slots on this TV show, and there's maybe 500,000 people applying. Yeah. There could very well be 500,000 people applying. Like, for real, though. And, And I actually was thinking in the shower today, it's where I have my happiest thoughts. Uh, about life, life itself, and how actually I think life is maybe a, an acronym more than it is a word. And it's an acronym that I imagine stands for literally infinitesimal finite existence. That's how mm-hmm. small I feel when I work on a packet. So mm-hmm. does it matter? Does so it? Little. So little. I feel so little. So many things making me feel little. I mean, and that <laughs> is so sad. Uh, <laughs> it's just so sad and it's just so true. I am something that made me feel little this weekend. And I will say it's the reason why I am checking for new neighbors currently. Uh-oh. I'm checking for some new fucking neighbors because I'm living amongst some supreme snakes. I am just in the fucking heart of Slytherin right now. Oh, okay. Boy. I am in the Slytherin common room. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Me and my girlfriend ordered Sweet Chick. If you're not familiar with Sweet Chick, it, Cody, you've had Sweet Chick? Smack worthy. Smack worthy. Not to mention their sauces are so saucy. Oh, their man. sauces are so saucy. They got great sauces. They got di- waffles. They got great syrup. They got great fried chicken that is just so crispy and 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 but not dry. So we order sweet chick. 
we get it delivered, DoorDash, which is a splurge if you know me. Usually I'm fucking cooking from home. And uh, the delivery guy pulls up. He's struggling with the call box. This is pretty This is pretty standard par for the course. Everyone struggled with the call box before. Cody, you struggled with the call box I before. I still mess it up. Mm -hmm. I get a I get a call from him. He goes, look, I can't figure out my way in. Can you come out and get me? I'm like, why did I even fucking order delivery if it can't come right outside my apartment? Right. But nevertheless, we oblige. My girlfriend goes down. She meets man's in the hallway. He doesn't have the food. Huh? He goes, oh, I gave it to someone else. Huh? She's like, who did you possibly give it to that wasn't me, the person that paid $50 for this food to come to doorstep? Some other person in the three minutes while we were en route to receive the food came out of the elevator, must have saw the sweet chick bag, was like, I'm about to come up, and was like, oh, is that my, oh, that's, that's my food? Yeah, takes our food and just like comes up, just, just goes about their merry way. Wow. I hope they lose a sock in their laundry for the remainder of their renting existence. I know. I I hope when they do go out wearing mismatched socks, those socks get wet inside their shoes every day, even when it's sunny. That is the soggiest, saltiest, most snake-ridden, legless, lucidly wild shit I ever heard of. How dare one? It was some wild cowboy shit, and I just had no choice other than to bash my head against my uh, drywall until I burst through into the next room. It it it, it, it was astound. I mean, who? How'd they know? Was that just perfect timing? That's yeah. That is uh, the worst kind of divine intervention I've ever heard of for you, and the best kind for them. Maybe let's take an opportunity to look at this from a different framework. Maybe they gave away all their groceries the day before and they just needed a snake-ass blessing, but fuck it's them true. still. It's so my true. My heart hurts for you and and my stomach too. But you know what? No harm, no foul. We did go ahead. We did another order and we were fully refunded for the first. So all that it was was just a, a delayed, a delayed sort of upset. You know, that story reminds me of... Something I went through once with my roommate, but it's not going to top your story. I would, though, like to talk about my roommate, (laughs) a.k.a. our guest. Here we go. Here we go. I mean, let me just say that of the long list of things he does, being my roommate is probably his least impressive accomplishment. (laughs) Uh, And him being on this pod right now, mess around, be the most generous thing he's done in a long time. So we're going to go ahead Back it up for a second, let the beat come in, sit tight, and get ready for another episode of Ain't Nobody Checking For Me. The Birch Studio is vibrant today, listeners, because we have a very good friend, a very old friend. 
he's not old. He we've just known him for a long time. Type old Andre. The church house goes hard. Muir. Uh, he's Chicago born, Brooklyn based director and filmmaker. He's been just the magician behind a number of music videos, short films, and commercials. His short film Patois was a Pan African Film Festival selection and a Chicago International Film Festival Film Festival winner. That's winner winner chicken dinner, friends. Most recently, he directed <laughs> Shelter, a music video from the musical powerhouses Vic Mensa, Chance the Rapper, and Wyclef John. Andre, thanks for thanks for coming here and doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Andre. I'm excited. Oh, we're so excited to have you, man. And and because <laughs> I know you, because we know you from, from so long, we spared you the discomfort of running through your entire list of raw-ass credits. But Love I will it. tell you this. Google auto-completes your name now. And you've got one of those little info boxes on the side next to all your links with your picture and your digs. It's like, I'm nice. like, yo. That's- I saw that the other day. That my, was crazy. I didn't. I didn't know. My man's there, is so. big official out here now. So my first, <laughs> my first question for you is: Do you feel checked for? Um, it's yes and a no. Yes and a no, right? Um, right now it's like, it's like super, super sexy to be a black mm-hmm. director. So in that sense, like, yeah, there's like a yes. Like, there's like a new. Um, interest and attractiveness and, you know, to my line of work and to my ideas and to my perspective. Um, But, like, on the other hand, like, do I feel like I'm, like, on the same level as my, you know, uh, what's the word, colleagues or whatever? Um, No. No, I do not. So, um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a give and a take. Like, I think right now it's really, really dope. There's like a light on us, um, so yeah, I feel I feel check for check for in that way. But I also feel like it's also like a forced check for too because like all the work I'm doing right now is so geared towards like um, like the black perspective, and like that wasn't always um, the type of work that I made before, you know. And like right now, I'm like, okay, shit. If 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 that's what you guys want. You know, like, all right, I'm I'm down to, you know, you know, make that type of work. And that's the type of work that I feel passionate about. What stories were you more inclined to tell before, before you were kind of like, you know, pushed in more of a direction? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I like to ask myself, like, um, like, did I get pushed into black stories because that's what, the world wants me to do or is it because I've slowly realized over time that that's what I'm mostly interested in. Right. And the stories I was telling before were like, um, you know, like me trying to be Wes Anderson or, you know, me trying to be, um, uh, David Lynch, which I don't necessarily connect to that. Um, subject matter i just really love those movies so i just right. you know it was like oh i want to try and make this music video like this like and i want it to thing. be really cutesy and color coordinated right it's a combination of was that work what i was doing because i was an amateur and you know i didn't know my perspective yet right. or have i slowly 
um, you know, grown into, you know, making a music video about, you know, the inevitability of violence in the black community or something like that, right? Like, have I grown into that because I've, I I have a bigger perspective now that I've gotten older and I've, I'm kind of incorporated my experiences into my work, whereas in the past, everything was just stylistic. Right, right. I mean, I, I feel that, I feel that pretty viscerally. I think oftentimes I, I ask myself the question, like, am I a black writer or am I a writer who is black, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the industry, like, as you described, can kind of push you into or make you feel like you belong in one of those two boxes. But the reality of the situation is motherfuckers are both, you, you know, that is that's yeah. as life kind of goes on in your and your creative self and artistic self grows. So I guess my next question is for you, what does like pie in the sky checkery look like? I definitely want to, you know, be in the world of one making a feature, of course, like, you know, that's every director's dream, but um definitely want to make a feature, but at the same time, like I want to like do my HBO TV series, you know? Like I would love to um live in both of those worlds and I still like to this day like, there's not a music video that I'm like, this was an amazing music video. So, like, I feel like I'll be in a really good place when I make a music video. Like, even if I made a feature film and, you know, got all this awards or, or accolades and I have a TV series, I think I would still stay in the realm of music video just because it is a really um, creative space. And I still feel like I haven't mastered it yet. But, I yes, I would love to have a feature film and, you know, be working on TV shows. And then every once in a while, like, like a Paul Thomas Anderson, where like, you know, he's, he's, he's winning Oscars, but every once in a while, he, you know, he drops like one of the best music videos of the decade and then just steps away. And then, you know, so like, that's what I would love to. Um, now that does you know. sound good. That sounds, that sounds really nice. Uh, now I feel like, there's a lot of, well, first of all, a little known fact about me is I'm trying to have my Spielberg moment one day. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get, I, I'm, I'm mostly an in front of the camera. I'm not, I mean, not so much anymore, but you know, I, I have interest in going behind the camera, sort of like in Elaine May, you know how Elaine May made her, you know, went from comedian to filmmaker. Jordan Peele did that too. What would you say to folks out there who have some feelings of imposter syndrome about directing? I'm like, hey. Oh, imposter yes. syndrome. <laughs> you oh feel my that. God. Yeah, you, you know the feeling. Oh, my God. I feel imposter. Every single time, well, every single time I, like, step on a set, I feel like an imposter. Mm. Every time I submit a treatment, I feel like an imposter. When I win a treatment and they say, you should direct this, I feel like an imposter. I'm always like, why'd they go with this idea? And, um, you know, part of it, part of it is from just an industry standpoint and then like personal standpoint from my personal standpoint i always feel like an imposter just because like you know i didn't do the film school thing um you know i i you know i kind of you know got in through the back way what was the back way i don't yeah the back way like i just you know like i didn't do film school and like i like just started like shooting videos for my friends and interviewing my friends and then used that to like 
get to my own still let me do a music right. video and then you know like I did it the experience way versus like you know going to you know Columbia College and then getting into AF1 and then when you get into AF1 then somebody gives you 20,000 to make a short and then you make this short and it makes a splash and you're the toast of the town and then I didn't do so it you, that way. You were just pulling and, up um, on people doing work off the, the strength. Pulling, like pulling up all, on off people. the strength. I got you. I I'm gonna make this hot. Yeah, and like and build this real. It's interesting too. Like um like even Vic, like Vic, where I just did this video for him, like in high school, we did not get along, right? And like yeah, I remember but, yeah. yeah, we we did not get along. But it's it's like off of the strength, I was like, yo, nobody's shooting your videos. Let me shoot your first music video and I'll do it for free and all of that. So um, I kind of kind of got in through the back that way. And I think that's why, like, that's part of it. But I also think the industry itself is always going to kind of allow itself for um, imposter syndrome. And I feel like like when I'm on set, I'm just always faking it. Like every I'm just faking it the entire time. Like, um, you know, I'm always like, you know, can we shoot? Can you move? This uh, magiga to gig and and shine this light at that and and all that and I don't know the technical terms but I don't think um, necessarily needing to know the technical terms um, decides whether or not you have a vision or not. But you had to learn some technical savviness, like you had to learn your Adobe Premiere. You had to learn. Well, yeah. See, you definitely learn some technical. Um, Savviness, but like, yeah, like I know how to use Premiere. I know how to use Avid. I know how to use Final Cut. This, this is YouTube right? University. But you self-taught, like this is YouTube. This is YouTube University, or reading the manuals, or or any all of that, or just like you know, just just fucking around with the with the interface until you figure it out. Because I'll tell you what, true story. I wanted to put captions on a 45-second video, and thank God for Nate because he helped me. That should must have took me 90 minutes. 90 minutes. It's hell. It's hell. Editing is editing is my actual nightmare. Um, I started off as an editor, actually. Like, um, like even that first video that I shot, like I didn't even shoot it. Like I had my friend Greg shoot it, and then I was the editor, and that's kind of how we always worked. And like um, Greg wouldn't, Greg, it's called coverage. Greg would just shoot with what he wanted to shoot. Like he didn't care about like the edit, you know, later right. in the day. And like, I was going to have to edit it and try and make it work. Um, and so I have that in the back of my head at all times when I work too. Like, I think I overshoot now because of the nightmares from when, um, I used to have to edit Greg's work. Shout out Greg for, uh, you know what I'm saying? Paint my man Dre into a corner. With too little, too late. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out Greg for giving my boy Dre the short end of the stick and making him great. Good luck, Yes. Greg. 100%. 100%. What would you say at this point, you spoke to the fact that music videos always will be, you know, something that something that you'll get down with. But currently, what's your favorite, what's your favorite thing to direct? Narrative shorts, you know, the commercials, music videos? Um. Well, right now, I think I like... I think I like sh shorts, shorts because like as rude as this sounds, like um, when I like work on a music video, I have to collab with this with this musician, and like both of us have to kind of come to an understanding. And like sometimes I think I know what's better for this musician for this video than they know, and like 
you know, this this clashing and all of that. And so like, you know, when I go home and I'm like, oh, this video could have been better. I'm always like slightly blaming the artist. Whereas like with a short film and I, if I go home and I look at it and it's a piece of shit, like I know that I'm the only person to blame. And like, there's, there's like a level that feels a little bit better to me than, than, um, than just ha- having it in the back of my head, like, damn, if only she let me do this or, you know, like, mm. um, I think there's, there's a little bit like short films. I have a little bit more control. So I, I, Definitely um, enjoy them more. And then, like, yeah. And then commercials, you just get treated really well on commercials. Like, directors get treated very well. So those are those are, those are are fun, but you have no control. You have no, absolutely no say. Like, like literally, you're, like, sitting there and, like, um, you know, you have, like, an agency in your air and they're, um, they're telling you how you should direct it. And after a while, you're just, like, like you literally have an agency like mic'd up in your ear. Wait, what do you mean? Like the like like what do you mean by agency? Like the big corporation? Like the, I feel like Pepsi's back there, right? Like, oh, the ad, yeah, like the advertising. Yeah, like the ad agency will just be like they're in your ear, and you have like a client, and there's five clients, and they're debating whether or not you you should you know have somebody you know rub the sweat off their forehead or not in that shot, That's and you're like your that, that doesn't really right. matter, right? It doesn't really matter. So um, I think I think control. I think I think I do as a director enjoy um, short films just because I have a little bit more control in the in in the end product and in how it's filmed and just the overall process of it. That's the difference between you and me because I mean you're you're blaming yourself for one. You're blaming you know the musician for the other. I would just be blaming myself for both, honestly. No, yeah, no. There's definitely a, a, a fair share of blame. There's definitely a fair share of blame either well, I'm way. Gonna, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna just uh, grab the wheel for a second and reframe some of this, right? Yeah, we're talking about faults and blame. We come down to accountability, right, and agency, right. In a, it sounds like there's a couple specific trade-offs being made. In the commercial world, you have to relinquish control, uh, and consequently, don't really have a ton of accountability uh, for whatever comes out. But a lot of comfort, tons of comfort, and a nice little check. Tons of comfort with the. With a short film or with your own work, there's much more control. There's uh, much more sort of creative input, but there's a lot of accountability. And that accountability, yes. it sounds like, can, can spread you thin and, and stress you the hell out. And then with a music video, it's it's there's probably less comfort because I imagine those things kind of fly by the seat of their pants or are looking to be done kind of like yeah. in a scrappy way. The creativity, there's some friction there, right? Yeah. But like the commercial, kind of a little less accountability, you know, a little a, bit a little less, bit yes, absolutely, less accountability, absolutely. and and you know, I've seen, I, I I was a copywriter for about forty five seconds, um, and wrote a commercial or two, and I understand that like commercial, like wait, why did you even ask me for my input? Mm. Why did That's you ask me for like, anything? Why, why you all me? you did was take it, rip it to shreds, and then hand me what you wanted us to do anyway. And then exactly. I, I stop asking yeah. that question the minute they hand me the check afterwards. And it's like, okay, that's why. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> that's so fun. No, 100%. 100%. Well, I guess, 100%. well, this is, I imagine this can't be too tough for you. 
because you're so charismatic, Andre. But when you do find yourself in those positions with really headstrong creatives, thinking about musicians here, how do you like is do you have to kind of finesse your way to impressing your own creative vision on the work? Like how do you manage that artistic balance? So it's almost like you gotta like you gotta trick them into um into thinking your idea is their idea. Mm. You know inception. like you gotta mm. like manipulate you gotta do yeah. inception and you gotta like <laughs> Sometimes like hold their hands and, and all that and like try and like, you know, get them to do or to agree to what you want um, while at the same time making it feel like it's what they want. And, 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 you know, like it's, I'm, I'm not like so strong willed, like if they really want that one thing, then of course I'm going to give it to them. It's their music. You know, that's the reason why I have the budget is because their music is really good and people want to give them money to make this video. So like, who am I to like, you know, overly control things, but there's definitely some inception going on and some trickery going on when you're on set. Now, tad bit of inside info for the listeners out there. Andre and I recently became roommates. Uh, we went to, went to middle school together, high school together, had some mutual friends and all of a sudden, look at that. We're paying the same landlord. And, uh, <laughs> look, man, I, well, I love you, bro. I'd go so far as to say you've got some out there tastes in film. We often, Andre okay. and I often butt heads about what exactly <laughs> we're going to fall asleep in front of on the couch. Okay, who wants to watch what? <laughs> I think I'm, I'll speak for myself first. I like a simple, like a simple and simply entertaining film. I'm a real like, oh, Netflix just dropped a new action movie and there's like a couple black guys in it sign me up you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. oh shit 94 <laughs> minutes we in and we out and i'm done i'm with that oh it's a rom-com i'm simple it's stupid i'm with that right and i will let andre describe his very eclectic taste um what are you watching um, andre? I, you know what i would say like i do choose like more i i guess you could say quote unquote difficult mm. films but like um i think half of the reason is like one i think like the fact that it's difficult is because basically i like the only thing i learned from high school like literally the only thing that i took from high school was hemingway's like iceberg theory oh, or wow. whatever the fuck. Like, you know, the subtext and and um and like i really always loved it like like you know, the majority of the story being under the story, like with like between the lines. And like, I love when a film doesn't like give you everything so easily mm -hmm. and not just for the fact, just for the point of being difficult, but for the point of being more lifelike. Like, I don't think life is so on the surface. So the closer a film gets to being subtextual and, you know, you having to read between the lines, I've, I connect with it more because I, I I do think that art should um, imitate life, right? For instance, um, uh, uh, Killing of a Sacred Dare. Oh my, my gosh, I right just now. watched and that shit is crazy. It's so good. But a lot of it is projection. A lot of it is like us projecting our own fears and our own thoughts. And You know, I had some bones to pick with that movie. 
I wanted, I I mean, but that, I wanted to know why, why were those kids getting sick? Why? I needed a why so bad, that whole movie. And there's like an ambiguity to it, right? It's like, you know, you, you, like, like your definition of the why could be totally different than mine. But I think even that, that, that gray area is the interesting area of the film and not like, if we knew exactly why that was happening, I don't think it would be that interesting of a film, you know? Because I feel like if I don't know why, then I completely <laughs> detach and I'm like, well, I don't care about the outcome. I don't care about any of the characters. And I and I just divest yeah. from the whole thing altogether. Amen, sister. I, I said, forget the why and the what and the who. I got up <laughs> and I went to my room. I think I read a book. I was done. No, I finished yeah. it. I did finish it. Wow, that's... Uh, that little freako kid. It's a it's a weird movie. I love I love it so much, and like there's just like it's so rewatchable, and every time I watch it, I learn something new about it. And I don't know. I just um and yes, just to speak to what you're asking, Cody. Um, I yes, I think like what I would what I like to draw from is anything that um elicits an actual feeling and I feel like that's so cliche but what I mean by that is like I love tension and I love how uncomfortable tension can make the viewer feel because I I go through life just I'm the most awkward person in the world and tension is just all I know and so like that um that's kind of what I look for in 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 in, in my work <laughs> and so Wow, this this virtual studio just three tortured souls and Nate. Um, right. <laughs> okay, I have a question. So uh, obviously, as we've been talking about, being a filmmaker takes vision. In the spirit of having vision, what are three jobs that you think Cody and I would be good at that would involve us um, mentally torturing ourselves with the entertainment industry? <laughs> Do you know? Okay, I think you guys are super creative people. You know what I think would be really dope? Um, the most creative thing I've ever done that doesn't get the label of of creative is um, if you're a coder. <laughs> it's so it's actually really very 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 yeah. creative. Like if you're playing basketball and you dunk on someone, that makes you really cool. In coding, the coolest coders are the ones that could do a command or create a function with the least amount of lines of coding. And like the more efficient you are, the better coder you are. So the least amount of lines you have, the better coder you are. And so to come up with whatever code with the least amount of lines requires so much creativity. So you think we should code? I think you guys should should code. Oh, wait, I have another one. I have another one. You guys should be... Um, psychiatrists, because mm. the level of mental anguish you have to go through to stay in the entertainment industry or to, to even be in the entertainment industry, for you guys to have known it, I think you guys can, you know, help people in every other. Yes, in, 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 in an effort to escape our mentally torturing ourselves. Uh, we go and we listen to the mentally tortured. Sounds a lot like your therapist, Rachel. <laughs> oh wow, that's what my therapist got out the game. Oh, it didn't work for him. 
That's all right. No, I'll do. I, man, I won't be a Teach for America therapist. I'll fucking stay in that game. All right. Oh, yeah. Last question. <laughs> last question that we ask all of our guests. What should listeners be checking for from you? Oh, um, it it's always really weird because, like, as a director, you don't have it until you 100% have it. And they can tell you you have it, like, 90% and then just pull it out right. from under you. But um, as of right now... I'm doing Stephen Colbert with Vic Mensa hey. and Wyclef and all of them, right? Um, yeah, doing that. And then I have. I'm a, sorry, you're going to be a guest on Colbert oh, with right, Vic you're about and Wyclef? No, no, no. I'm not. No, I'm just oh, making the video. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Word. I was like, oh, what? No, shit. No, 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 no. Either way, it's still I ice cold. But Right. <laughs> No, not that cool. Tell Steven, read my fucking package. Um, no, sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> <laughs> um, and then I have um, potentially a music video with Young Baby Tate, but we'll see. That, that, you know, nothing as a director, nothing is actually there. And then I'm shooting a, um, a, a black-oriented commercial for go plus. There, there go. we go. <laughs> be there ready to go. watch it. Should be be ready to see it. Wow. Andre, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us in the Birch studio. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. And this has been Ain't Nobody Checking For Me. Thanks for tuning in. Fuck with your boy, Andre Muir. And we gotta go. Ain't nobody checking for me. Checking for me. Checking for me. Checking for